From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict episode 169. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and Fracture. Photos printed in vivid color directly on glass. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the one and only, the man with the plan, Mr. Brad Dowdy. What's up, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I think pretty good. You know, I'm feeling back to normal this week after last week's uh, in in on a tear into the show. It was just a whirlwind uh, of activity. So I've had a kind of week to come down from the DC pin show. And I'm not sure I'm all the way down yet. I think about it every day. Um, but I mean, plus my my recap post just went up today. So, you know, it, it's still fresh in the mind. But me personally, you know, I had a nice wind down weekend, um, got to futz with my pens a bunch um over the weekend and just kind of get back to normal get back to the show get back to writing um all the stuff that we do um every day so it, it feels good to be back in the in the good flow of things um how about you you had a uh, you had a birthday last week too you know i had a birthday last week but uh, you had a birthday as well and i wanted to congratulate you on one year of relay fm we didn't get to talk about it on last week's episode, I think it happened the next day, or maybe it was the day of, and we just didn't get to it. But uh, congratulations to you and Stephen for a big time first year. Y'all had uh, lots of great articles and praise out um, on the uh, on the network. Thanks, man. I didn't know it was your birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could tell by the mailbox. I I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, when is it? I need to write it down. Uh, it was the twenty first. It was Friday. Uh, why don't you tell so, me these things? Twenty first of August is so. Brad's. It's just consider it the same as the relay birthday, and that's all you need to remember. Right, you are now in <laughs> my calendar as a recurring event. <laughs> Steven birthday. sent Steven sent me a birthday text. I'm just saying. If it's not in my calendar, man, <laughs> like, don't feel bad. Like, members of my family, I don't know their birthdays, so. Oh. It's all right. It's all right. But seriously, I want to I get back to the relay one-year thing. Um, how did you feel uh, about last week? I mean, I'm just, you know, being kind of a fly on the wall to all the goings-on. I'm just so proud of you guys and uh, everything that you've accomplished in this first year. So I, want, I wanted to give you the the floor for a second. And uh, since you've probably talked about it on other shows, I haven't caught up on all my podcasts, but, um, you know, I, tell us how awesome you are. Yeah, so we, I think probably the best place is to find the conversation would probably be the live Q&A B-side that we did. I did um, listen to that. And also on Analog that came out yesterday because we recorded okay. it on Tuesday, which was our birthday. Okay. Um, and it was fantastic. It was really, Good. really great. We had a great day. We had lots of great well wishes. Um, we had that uh, fantastic profile written about us in TechCrunch. Yeah, that um, was pretty cool. The, yeah. the pin act even uh, warranted a mention, which is a shocker. Well, I made a point of... of <laughs> of talking to to Romain about it well because mm-hmm. he finds it interesting because it's a it's a it's a proof of something right yeah right like it, it, it makes a point whatever that point is that you're trying to make like yep. the pen addict can fit into it pretty well as like a right. look how peculiar podcasting can be and how successful mm-hmm. something so uh so niche can be you know and i think that was mm-hmm. what he was trying to get at um so yeah, it was it was a great week, man. I have to say, it was really fantastic, Good. and it was nice to 
to kind of look at some of that stuff and look where we've been and where we come from and, and think about this show, as I always do in those scenarios, mm-hmm. as the one that uh, stuck around. Yeah, that's pretty weird when you think about it, the um, the lineage of this show. I mean, recording it every week, we don't think about that. We just think, you know, how great we are. <laughs> yep, of course. <laughs> and how much fun and how much fun we have. But when you sit down and think about the lineage, it's like, wow, we've we've gone through a, a, a lot, you know, in the three years we've been doing this. And it's kind of cool that, uh, like I've said it a thousand times before, I feel like we hadn't even hit our stride yet. I mean, there's just so much more. Which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm, feel that mm-hmm. way. Um, I do too. I feel like we can continue doing it forever as long as people keep releasing pens for us to, that's right. to dig into. I don't think that's going to be a problem. No, neither so do I. Let, let's talk about the one that was released last week, and I have a couple of corrections to make on the Mont Blanc M. Okay. Uh, the Mark Newson mm-hmm. uh, Mont Blanc that yep. we, uh, we're all fawning over. So my most egregious error was, I don't know... My my lack of reading comprehension was pretty bad. I I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna chalk up uh, pin show fatigue that I just didn't even read the sentence where I saw AU five eighty five in there. I just thought that was AUD five eighty five for Aussie dollars, but that's actually the fourteen karat gold designation of the nib. AU five eighty five is essentially a fourteen karat gold equivalent. So my apologies for cus- uh, crisscrossing uh, those numbers and just not reading properly um, yep. the doc- documentation on the pen. But since then, you know, I got that corrected very quickly <laughs> when people started listening to the podcast, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I always appreciate the corrections um, when I make mistakes because they happen quite frequently. Um, so to nail down the price point, the I think the MSRP is 385 pounds, which converts today to 624 US dollars. Um, I got a note on Instagram that someone picked it up for 341 pounds 528 usd so you know i guess there's there's some play uh off the msrp and street price um so we'll see I, it's pretty steep um don't you think mm. i mean for mont blanc it's not steep i don't yeah that's think. why i i i hum because it's uh-huh. you know it's not when you look at it uh the Pen Economist confirmed uh-huh. that the US list price is $565. Okay. So that's right between those two prices that I mentioned. So, yep. Yep. So we had some listeners, more than one listener, reach out that they went and bought the <laughs> bought the pen sure. at, uh, at uh, what was it, at Harrods? Yeah, it was at Harrods. Yeah. So let me, let me talk about uh, one in particular, a uh, gentleman named Joseph. He's on Twitter at Nart1S, Narts, Nartles, whatever. So Joseph did a sent us a, a tweet storm uh, in a good kind of way. So he says, so I picked up the Mont Blanc medium fountain pen in Harrods today. My wallet says, thank you ever so much. Hmm. You're welcome. Um, he says it's lighter than expected. Um, less than the Meisterstück Classique even, which I don't have that to compare with. It only takes cartridges and doesn't post. Only available in an MNIB from retail. They've sold about 50 cents launch, which is a pretty high rate, apparently. The fountain pen version, 385 pounds, comes with a complimentary soft grain leather pouch. And he says, by only takes cartridges, I mean it doesn't even work with Mont Blanc's usual converters for the Traveler range, etc. So I told him thanks, you know, let us know when when you get a chance to uh, to play around with it. And he did. So today, or this morning... He, he came back with uh, uh, another batch of tweets, and he says, It's bizarre. 
Feels like a Mont Blanc fineliner refill, dry rider with an odd resistance. No scratchiness at all, but a definite drag on the page. Worse on smooth paper like Rhodia than copier paper. No springiness or flex in the nib. Feels more like steel than the 14K it is. Had quite a few hard starts too. So it sounds like this is a very, very firm nib, which is actually something I like. The nib is incomparable to the smooth flow of the Meisterstuck 18K, Lamy 18K, or Omos 18K nibs. Also, the magnet doesn't always 100% line up the cap and plateau, which is just the bland, tasteless icing on the burnt cake. So Joseph doesn't seem happy with this pen. He concludes saying, overall, really disappointing. I guess it's a cheap Mont Blanc, and unfortunately it feels like it. Your mileage may vary. Mark Newsom may use a fountain pen, but I sincerely hope he's found something better than this. (laughs) Damning by Joseph. Yeah. So... Um, you know, I, I think that's a good that's a good field report from someone who's, you know, paid a lot of money for a pen that they're actually not enjoying. So um, it's interesting. So I want to read one more comment. I did get another um, person who bought it who tagged me on Instagram. And this is a real short thing. Uh, Geranium Happy um, did a post uh, on Tomoe River paper. Metal section gives good weight and ruthenium rib feels good on what is a thicker than usual section room in the barrel for a spare shark cartridge no converter included um it's in nakaya territory for me so definitely a holiday souvenir buy i wouldn't have otherwise done so um not much other information there but um but massively different opinions (laughs) (laughs) yeah it didn't go in as in depth as joseph but um i think he's uh not thrilled with it you know Maybe I can get a good deal on it, you know, for the sake of research. <laughs> I'm so, not going to rush know. out and buy one now. Exactly. Yeah. That's. A I think shame. I would like to. I think I would like to try it in hand first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when or where we're going to have that opportunity to do that. Right. I mean, it's not. I mean, we don't walk into many pen stores. Yep. So. Um. So we'll see, but um, it's just a dang fine looking pen though isn't it yeah that's that's the thing it still looks amazing yeah some new pictures came out we'll have them in the uh from fastco design i read them every now and then and saw it pop up in there um so check out the we'll have some links in the show notes and um you can read you know we'll put we'll put joseph's tweets in there uh links in there too you know i should have i should have storified it all right so we're going to talk about a topic real quick follow-up that we haven't talked about in a while and that's field notes mike yep they're getting ready for their release i think I know, I know. So, this is timely. And have you looked at this uh, pre-show? Yeah, I did, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, this cropped up uh, a week or two ago. Um, I guess about a week ago. On eBay, someone was selling a complete Field Notes colors collection from Butchers to Two Rivers, sealed plus extras. So, there's some extra things in there like the uh, coffee roasters. Um, I see some of the... um, was it loot crate a couple other extras some of the ddc factory floor editions yep so they were asking four thousand dollars for the entire set what did you think when you saw that price and that's not that's not what it went for but just the the set price i'm putting this out there or someone's putting this out there for four thousand dollars what did you think it's a joke it's a total joke yeah <laughs> it's, it's a just, complete it's not joke. worth that amount of money like they're just not worth that amount of money it's not, like it's, it's not. It's a ripoff. Like, yeah. 
it's terrible. Actually, I hated seeing this. Yeah. Um. It. It's. It's. It's no. You ruin. Like you ruin it. Way shape or form. You're just ruining everything. You know. Like. Yep. Why are you doing this? Right. Right. So, we don't know what it actually sold for because they took offers on it. So they accepted a best offer. So we'll never know the price. I mean, I I would hate to fathom a guess, but I imagine it went from over over half of that. Yeah, it's, sure. it's definitely in the thousands. You you wouldn't put it up for four grand and then then take yeah. anything less than a couple of grand because otherwise you just yeah. keep listing it. Yeah. So that's pretty nuts. So I you know still to this day. I mean, we all have our field notes, you know, that we kind of hoard and all these special editions that we love. And you know, I've completed a set which I'm super happy with, but I'm not going to sell them. You know, they're to to use. You know, I've I'm going to use them. I'm going to keep using them. Um, you know. So, I mean... Well, you can sell them, you, you though. Like, you can sell yeah, you them. Can. You just don't sell them yeah. for $4,000 because it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. If I ever do sell some duplicates, I will make sure people who are wanting those get, like, a good deal and, you know, a fair price so they can have something they enjoy. I don't think I've ever sold any set before, ever. I'm just saying if I, for some reason, you know, want to buy a Mark Newson Mont Blanc or something and I want to sell a couple sets, you know, for... A very very fair price i would search out people who are wanting those and you know try to hook them up if you're gonna bit, so. sell field notes and you're gonna sell them sell them a premium right because they're collector's items and you can't get them anymore and so you don't mm-hmm. sell them at like the msrp anymore sure but you even if right because i expect you could probably break this set up and maybe make back more than that but yeah i don't just know don't do i mean it. it's super it's super top heavy with prices right i mean the first five or six or you know, make up the majority of the pricing in this. Yeah, like but if Punky you're willing chat- to wait it out, you know. Yeah. Uh, Punky in the chat room says, dang, 150 for a sealed Raven's Wing. That's actually pretty cheap. Um, I think those usually go for a little bit more. It's at least a normal price. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting blamed uh, that my eBay name is the seller's name. <laughs> so, yeah, I took uh, 2900 for this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm also not in Honolulu, Hawaii, as much as I would like to be. So You don't you don't have a, a seal, complete sealed set, though, do you? Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. Like everything? When I got the... Everything. Well, you know, all the colors releases, yeah. I didn't know they you were know, when I, sealed. Yeah, when I got the butcher orange from Mark Backus in Atlanta, that was it. That was the last one. For some I reason, butcher... I thought that you didn't have grass stained green sealed. No, grass stained green is the one I've had the longest because I bought a bunch of those when they came out. I just didn't buy the first two editions, and I just happened to buy several grass stained green because I loved them. Um, so I still had a sealed one left. I don't have any extras of that one, though. No. Man. I actually, well, I bought so many of those, I used to send them out to people because yeah, I thought they were so one. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I gave several people one. Yep. So, no, I I have the the full set, the whole shooting match. You ever need to buy mm-hmm. a new car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll wait till I put my kids through college. No, I'll still, I'll still ride in them. I mean, or, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about selling field notes. I just find this... Uh, don't 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 write egregious, egregious. Don't egregious. write them. The early packs. Don't don't break them open. No 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 no. I won't. I'm not breaking open the sealed ones that I have, but I have duplicates of some that I I've right. written in. You know I've written in uh, butcher orange. Um, I need to. I think I have an extra butcher blue. I need to, to need to start using things like that. So 
and it doesn't phase me in the least. I get huge enjoyment out of using them. They're still one of the coolest products on the market. They they evoke a feeling um, that you don't get when you get a lot of products. I, there's just whatever they did, whatever special sauce they had, they they uh, they had a good recipe and mixed it up right. So we we love those guys. So we we need to get uh, Brian and or Jim on soon. We will do that. Um, we've had Brian on um, a long time ago, probably a hundred episodes by this point, and Jim's been on with you on uh, Inquisitive, I think. Yeah. So we'll 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 get them uh, get them on here uh, one day soon. All right, I got a few other things I want to follow up on, but uh, why don't you want to talk talk about one of our good friends because I, I I need to get on this bandwagon quickly. This episode is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture is a company that will put your photos onto glass. Now, when you think about having an image that you love and you want to put it on the wall or put it on your desk for the world to see and for you to to take in, you're usually used to seeing a picture which is printed onto a piece of paper, slipped inside of a frame, you know, you've got a piece of glass and that's mounted with some wood or some metal around the outside. But what if you just took all of that away? And what if you ended up with just putting the picture on your desk, right? But you don't just lay the piece of paper down, you actually have it standing up because the picture is printed onto a piece of glass. This is what Fracture will give you. You go to FractureMe.com, you upload the photo that you want, you choose the size and you choose the shape. You can choose from five different rectangle sizes or three different square sizes. You choose what you want uh, and you get it printed out. And what happens is a the lovely people at Fracture over in Gainesville, Florida, they will print it, your photo directly onto that piece of glass for you. They check it for quality. They ship it up real great, and they send it right out. And they put it in the stuff that they ship these things in is nigh on indestructible. I've had seven Fractures shipped to me from Florida to the United Kingdom, and I have not had a ding on any of them. And when you receive this print, it's going to look like nothing you've ever seen before because there is no frame it's just the picture. All you're putting on the wall is the picture. Nothing is distracting from it. It just hangs there so beautifully or sits there on your desk. You can get little stands to the square sizes and even some of the smaller sizes too. And you can basically just drink the photo in and they look incredible. They have found ways to make your colors really pop and it looks really bright, really vibrant. I've seen some pictures of some pen addicts who've already jumped in and mm-hmm. got some fracture prints and people have been sending me those and I love it. So please keep doing that. If you've got a fracture print, uh, send me a picture of it. I want to see how well it came out for you. And this is something you should really be doing. It is a way to get your photos to shine in a way that they never have before. And they start at just $15. They're not going to break the bank. And they also make super gifts for family and friends as well. So you can get your own fracture print. You can free your own photos from Instagram timelines or from your phone or from wherever and display them beautifully and proudly at home at your office wherever you want you just go to fractureme.com to get started and you can support this show and get 15% off your first order with the code penaddict all one word so go to fractureme.com thank you so much to fracture for the support of this show so i keep saying i'm going to go order them and i keep forgetting so while you were talking i just put that in my calendar list to go order, especially now that I'm back from DC. Um, I think I have some good pictures that I'd like to get, you know, there's some good ones of me and Jeff and, um, you know, want to, want to test that out. You're good for the office. And, uh, yeah, we're good for the office and I've, I've seen the results of these and, uh, they look pretty amazing. So yeah, I, I will have one ordered, uh, this week, one or more. 
All right, there's a link I wanted to share that I retweeted a couple weeks ago, but I thought it was it was cool enough to bring back up in the podcast because it's not often you get um, someone who does has the time to you know to put into like an ink test uh, like Brian did here for us on uh, on Twitter. So he did a one month ink test. Paper is 108 bright, 28 pound, one month and three to four hours direct and six hours indirect sun each day. So the left side of the image is the original after writing test. And then the right side of the image is after the one month in the direct and indirect sunlight. And I thought this was pretty cool. So, you know, there's some, it, it's a smaller picture and he says he'll send me some, uh, a larger one if I need it, but it, it's some cool results. You see like, um, Gosh, I don't know. Like the pilot juices did well and the inner gels. The gels did pretty well. Um, the ballpoints pretty much vanished in the sun. A couple of very tame fountain pen inks vanished. Uh, Waterman Blue being one of them. Um, and like pilots, the pilot standard inks, blue and red, they faded a lot. Um but then there's some really good things like Noodler's Heart of Darkness, like everyone talks about um, how good of an ink that is and how, uh, um, I don't know if that's, is Heart of Darkness a bulletproof ink? I can't remember, but it, it held up extremely well. Um, you know, some of the, obviously Sharpie's going to hold up really well with the, the permanent marker, but it's a good, it's a good link to check out. This is one of those links that I save, like I'm a pinboard guy. So I can uh, go back. This is something I want to hunt down, you know, like six months from now, if I had a question, see how it went. Um, one of the interesting ones is one of my favorite inks, the Roaring Klingner Scabiosa Iron Gall. It almost vanished um, in the sunlight, which is is kind of neat uh, or not neat. <laughs> I shouldn't say neat. Uh, it's not neat. I don't want that one to vanish. <laughs> the thing is, though, with this, how often are your is your ink like indirect sun, like what you write in direct sunlight. Yeah, it's not, but you know, this is only a one month test and, you know, over, you know, several years, you know, you may have it exposed, you know, more than normal. You know, I think about students a lot when I, when I save posts like this, because I always get asked about, you know, what's the great student pen and, you know, they're oftentimes writing um, a lot and moving and shuffling in their car in and about. So there's a little bit more chance for exposure than others. It's just a good to see, you know, the properties um, that these inks have, you know, even if you're not, you're not sitting there in your, in your, um, on your back porch in the sun. I mean, I know this would never be an issue over in England because there is no sunlight, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. all the inks would work well over there. Yeah, they should but, do a you know, for darkness us, and overcast test. <laughs> Dark overcast and rain test. I can put Brian on that. He's he's done some posts for me years ago. Um, he does lab work, so he's he's into this kind of into this kind of stuff. So he did a bunch of chemical tests on inks. So um, it, it's cool. He's he's always sending me these kind of inks. But I thought this is more of a good reference than you know necessarily a great talking point for the blog. It's this is something I save so I can refer back to later. And I thought other people might be interested in it. Now, Michael, this is something that people are really interested in. Did you see this next link? Let me take a look. Yeah, I did look. So, Lamy. Oh Korea yeah, I did see this. Yeah. Had, 
<laughs> so they worked with Line, which is it's basically a chat app, right? Like WhatsApp. I yeah. Think. Well, that's what it was. Now mm-hmm. it's like an everything. Like they okay. do games. They have like so they, they are Line is just taken over. It's massive. Gotcha. Well, they're they're taking over the pin world too because the Line uh, Brown Bear Lamy Safari Special Edition that came out earlier this year was like a huge hit i never ordered one i just you know i gotta say no sometimes as much as i love that brown uh safari with the little bear with the little bear guy on it i don't know if their characters have names on it and then i saw last night in my twitter feed um they've come out with a new white and yellow the white has a a rabbit face attachment and the yellow has a duck uh, attachment on there or is that a chick i don't know if that's a chick or a duck i think it's a chick um they're just cool. I mean, you know, you don't get this kind of stuff in the U.S. And, you know, seeing this stuff on Instagram, I just get a huge, huge kick out of it. You know, I'll probably never own one of these pins unless I just randomly come across one and say, okay, here, take my money. I'm not going to search them out and order them. But I just think they're hilarious. And, you know, Lamy, it, it's pretty interesting. I think this is a pretty interesting collaboration because it's really out of the norm, I think, for them even though they do special editions and do different things, but to work with a company like Line, who is a essentially a digital-only company, right? I mean, they're not a traditional sure. you know, brick-and-mortar store. They're not a traditional paper company. They're not, you know, it's a whole new type of concept. The thing that I find that the most interesting up. about this partnership is the geographic and cultural differences that these two companies must have and that they're yeah. able to work together on this. Yeah, that's certainly a hard thing to jive. You know, why isn't Line working with Platinum yeah. or whoever, you know, one of the uh, Japanese makers or someone local or, you know, who knows? It could be anyone. You know, the, the, the Lamy influence is... I think it's kind of cool that Lamy actually sees something in this market and is making cool things for this market. And, um, you know, it just makes it just makes me drool and uh, makes me jealous of uh, all the cool stuff that uh, is happening overseas in, in the pen market that we don't get over here. But um, I, I just want to throw this out there because a lot of people um, really loved it when they saw it out there. And everyone loved the brown bear when it came out and to see two more colors. It obviously was a success for them. Right. So. Um, we'll see, and they actually have more faces that you can put on there. So um, each each pin now has like two different, like the bunnies has two different faces, and the chick has two different faces. Oh, what, and you bear. choose what one you want to put on there. <clears throat> I guess I don't know if you get both of them in your package. Like the bear has the standard looking bear, then he has like a one with like a kissy face mm-hmm. bear, like he's got lips smacked all over his face, kind of thing. You know, just cutesy stuff. So it's kind of cool. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, in, anyone uh, picks some of those up. Um, the brown ones, when they came in, they were I, I saw a lot of my friends online had had grabbed the brown ones, so that's pretty cool. So I'll probably be seeing more of these. Yeah, I would like to pick one up because they look like fun, but where would they yeah. sell? Like jet pans or something? No, not even. I mean, I think um, where, I forget where people were ordering the first batch from. I'd have to go back and, and search my notes from, from everyone who ordered them. They all ordered them at the same time, and they all received them around the same time. I just don't remember where. It was from somewhere overseas. It wasn't somewhere in the U.S. Um, or in the U.K. It was someone you know in the Asian market. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I can probably figure out who it was. I just I have a couple people I can ask. So anyway, those are cool. Um, I, I would like one maybe. 
one of these days, but we'll see. All right. Hide your wallets on the pin blog of the week, Mike. Um, I met Gerald at the DC Fountain Pen Show. He's known online as My Coffee Pot. I've known him, or not known him personally, but I've known his his pin collection for years in various where places, YouTube, Fountain Pen Network. I just see him pop up all over the place. And he only started a blog, I think, in the past year. But he has a wonderful pin collection. And he actually, he caught me in the bar in D.C. and said, hey, Brad, do me a favor. Give me a give me a plug on the mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't done that yet. And I was actually kind of surprised I have it. So, um, so Gerald at mycoffeepot.org. Here's your plug, buddy. Um, he was a wonderful guy to hang out with during the show. His pen collection is just out of bounds. If you want someone to talk about Mont Blancs, um, here's your guy. So maybe we'll ask him about the the Mark Newson uh, Mont Blanc and see what he says. But um, uh, most people, a lot of people in the Fountain Pen community know Gerald, love Gerald, and uh, love his work and uh, admire his pen collection. So go check him out. The pen blog of the week, mycoffeepot.org. So you were talking about, I don't even know when it was, past was, few episodes. It was probably when Gerald, uh, not Gerald was on, when uh, Dr. Deans was on. We were talking about the Twisby Eco. It was the week right? after. There, there, I did need to issue a slight correction, which I have yet mm. to do. Uh, we, I believe that, uh, that Adina had ordered the pen. She has not ordered the pen as of yet. I thought that she had. You know, I said, oh, we'll have, we'll have one in by now. Yeah. No, she, she didn't actually go ahead and order it just yet. She, okay, uh, so that I don't know why that, she's waiting, but she is. That's what I was leading up to to ask you if she had gotten her pen in yet. So that actually makes it uh, very clear. Um, I picked up two of these, two of the Ecos at the DC show. Um, why two of them? Well, one that made it so I didn't have to choose between white and black because they both look equally good. Um, two, they're not that expensive, um, all things considering. And three, I wanted one of them that I felt comfortable breaking. Um, oh, if well, by I want to see what manipulations I can do huh. on, nice on idea. the pen. I want to, so I wanted to have a backup essentially that in case something went wrong, I, oh well, I still have one that I enjoy. But you know, I want to, the nibs are the nib units are different. You know, it's it's more of a, um, I guess it's a friction fit nib in here. I haven't even pulled them out yet. Um, I've just been inking them up and playing with them. But the first impressions of the pen is super positive it's a rock solid pin it's lighter than the 580 but you can tell just from a durability perspective and in twisby's uh uh manufacturing process they do that they do that pretty well you know it's always you know a good sturdy feeling pen um the piston mechanism works wonderfully Uh, a lot of people don't like the uh the hex cap style on the end of the piston knob i actually like it i mean it's it's a pretty cool look to me um, and it matches the matches the cap, so both of the pins are similar. The nibs are fantastic. You know, they're a smaller nib. There, I guess this is a number five size nib, so it's smaller than what's on the 580s. They still write extraordinarily well. Um, I love Twisby's nibs. Um, I guess these are Joe nibs that they use, and all the Twisby nibs I have are fantastic and they, they're they like nails and that's how I like them. You know, that's not a very soft nib, right? No Twisby I have has a soft nib, but they're all very smooth, very fine. You hear me uh, 
making some chicken scratch over here. Mm-hmm. I got a um I ordered I bought from Anderson Pens, I bought a an extra fine and I bought a medium nib just to, you know, kind of see the differences. I love Twisby's extra fine nibs and I wanted a stub nib, but they were out, so I went with the medium and it's actually pretty good too. The section on the pen is slight, ever so slightly narrower than the 580s. It's still got a little bit of a taper like the 580 does, but I think it tapers a little bit narrower just because the uh, nib and feed are a little bit more narrow than the nib units that they use in the 580s. It's not very noticeable, but I I did pick up on that pretty quickly. Um, It is a rounded section, though. So, you know, it, it does have a couple little flares at the very bottom of the section if you grip really really low you can feel these little flares but i don't grip i am a low gripper and i haven't even come close to hitting these things um you know i i don't know if they're in there for grip purposes or aesthetic purposes or some kind of functional purpose um but they don't come into play when i'm using them um i have one of them i have the extra fine inked up with um franklin christoph's new black cherry ink I think is one you might like, Mike. Um, it's kind of a brownish red. It's really nice. It's like a cherry Diet Coke looking hmm. looking ink. It's kind of neat. Um, I've been using that a lot. And the other one with the medium nib is inked up with Mont Blanc Irish Green, which Dr. Jonathan Deans, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pen Economics, uh, snuck that in for me at the DC Pen Show at the Anderson Pens table. He bought me a bottle and had them give it to me. So I picked that up when I got these got these twisbies i'm real happy with the eco it's going to do really well and we have a follow-up question that we're going to get to uh we're going to wrap this show up with some ask Ask tpa and in that follow-up um we have a question about the twisby eco and how's it gonna you know what's my opinion of it in the market so we will get to that but my initial impressions mike i mean it's what you expect from twisby and that's a hugely varying answer from different people, right? Some people, well, what I expect from Twisby is for it to break. That's their expectation. My expectation is a dead solid, great writing pen, and that's what I've got. And it's under 30 bucks. And I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I expected to like it, and I do like it. There's, I don't have any, I don't have a negative thing to say about it, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I, I'm anxious to get in there. I, w- I wanted to test them up with ink first before I started taking them apart um, and trying a few different things with them. But uh, yeah, they're really great. I think Adina will like it. I think you would like it. And it's, uh, it's a really good pen. And uh, yeah, good job by Twisby. Uh, I just went on Colt Pens and they're out of stock. So I've, got, I've just set up an email alert. Okay, cool. When they come back in. Because it's not expensive. So I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll buy it and I'll play around with it. And then I'll, I'll give it to Adina. Okay. One more thing and just, you know, I, I'll do a full write-up eventually on the blog once I once I have some more time to spend with them. But just for um, anyone wondering, it's a one-piece barrel. Like, it doesn't screw apart at the section and the barrel like the 580s do. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Mike? So, it is a, it's a, it a one-piece uh, as far as that goes. You can't uh, unscrew the section separately from the remainder of the barrel, which is probably a good just thing. something I wanted to point out. Yeah, it's, you know, maybe a less uh stress points in the pen so 
maybe it works out a better design. But um, we'll we'll talk about them more here in a minute as we go through some Ask TPA. But uh, why don't you tell us about another one of our good friends real quick. This week's episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com. You can use the offer code INC at checkout and you'll get yourself 10% off. Now, Brad, I'm going to want your help in a minute whilst I tell people how Squarespace helped them build it beautiful. When you want to give yourself a place on the internet, no matter what your skill level, Squarespace should be a place that you should be going to. It doesn't matter if you know how to build websites, you've been doing them for years, or it doesn't matter if it's your first time. Because what Squarespace do is they take away all the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about. They set you up with great hosting. They set you up with great caching, so if your site gets popular, you're not going to have problems. They give you fantastic templates that you can build your site on that look amazing, really customizable, and that you can also tinker around with if you do know the code and they all feature responsive web design as well they have their tools are so intuitive they're easy to use you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want and squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to help you power your site and to ensure security and stability squarespace are trusted by millions of people around the world and by some big companies as well squarespace have 24 7 support through live chat and email they have teams located in new york dublin and portland who are there to help you in case you have have any problems it doesn't matter as i say if you if you've been building websites for years but you just can't be bothered to have to keep maintaining it constantly over and over again doing these security patches and going in there and oh now there's this new trend that i need to get on board with like you know when responsive web design came around because squarespace do all of that for you or if you just get to the point where you know you just want to help somebody else out but you don't want to have to do the support for them you know just to say oh hey go to squarespace and sign up or maybe it's your first site or maybe it's a you know you've been doing this stuff for other providers and you, you want to get serious and then it's time for Squarespace. Now Brad uses Squarespace for both Pen Addict and for Knock and I uh, just want to get a, a little a few thoughts from you Brad about why you love Squarespace. So I the the recurring theme for me with Squarespace is the ease of use. I don't want to maintain the blog infrastructure on the back end and have, you know, different upgrades and, you know, database consistency and and all these different things on the back end and I just don't want to fool with all that and Squarespace allows me to just write, just take the pictures, upload everything and not worry about any of the back end, you know, things that can take you you know, 30 minutes to upgrade or when it goes south, take you all weekend <laughs> to fix. Um, anyone who's done any of that type of thing knows, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. And you never have those type of issues with Squarespace. So, you know, they they handle the upgrades, they handle any security fixes, and they allow you to just write, just publish, just post your photos, whatever you want to do. Just open a shop. Our good friend Chad Doan, Michael, mm-hmm. he just redid his whole uh Big Cartel site is no more. It is now a Squarespace site. Um, hmm. So I'm. it looks super cool, and you can do some cool things with the whole Squarespace shopping, as we do on Knock. Um, it's just easy. I mean, it, it's, it's like beating a dead horse, but it's the truth. I mean, it's just simple to use, straightforward. Anyone can use it. Um, the support's great. You know, whenever I have had an issue, you know, like if, you know, some comment is hanging or something like that and I've needed to reach out to them, they always get back to me quickly, you know, like, and by quickly, I mean like usually within 30 minutes or an hour, um, you know, um, oftentimes quicker than that. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm obviously a fan. We're a fan at Notco. It, uh, it makes our lives easier and, uh, that's pretty much all you can ask for. You can sign up for a free trial today. 
at squarespace.com. And if you sign up for one of their plans, you need to make sure that you use the code INC at checkout. Not only is this going to get you 10% off your first purchase, it will also show your support for this show. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and you'll get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So I'm going to bring up the the Twisby Eco question we have, and that's from our good friend Tim Wassum at uh, Writing Arsenal and also of the Erasable podcast. He's one of the uh, – out of the, the three that do the uh, – do the erasable podcast. He is the one that does dabble in pins and gets a lot of grief from his, uh, from his podcast mates over there. So we appreciate him reaching out, um, you know, and, uh, slumming it with us, you know, in the, in the world of inky hands and fingers. So he says the Twisby eco performs just as well as the 580. It even feels more durable, fewer moving parts. Are they shooting themselves in the foot? So this is a a question, uh, Dr. Deans would love. So are they shooting themselves in the foot by making a really high quality, basically entry level price point pen? And I think the answer, looking at all the other brands out there and how they've managed their product lines, the answer is no. Um, this is, I don't want to say it's a gateway pen, but it could be a lot of people's first pen. You know, Lamy doesn't only make the Safari. You know, that's what a lot of people are comparing this pen to. It's nearly the exact same price. It's the same type of construction. Um, this has a uh, this has a better piston. You know, this is a piston filling, which is a huge benefit for me. Um, a lot of people with beginners, you know, they want to use a cartridge filling pen, so they might use a Lamy. But that hasn't stopped Lamy from making other awesome products that are in the $50 price range, the $80 price range, the $140 price range, the $300 price range. So clearly Lamy hasn't shot themselves in the foot by giving a people, people a choice on the lower end of the pricing spectrum. Um, if anything, you know, maybe it helps them, you know, I certainly don't have proof of that, but it seems like, you know, just the, the same story goes for the pilot metropolitan, right? Even though that was, the Pilot Metropolitan is probably closer to the Eco, and it was done backwards. Like, Pilot made all their super nice pens, then they made a killer entry-level pen. Twisby made a lot of nicer pens, and I say nicer, I'm just, I should say more expensive price point-wise, more features, things like that. Then they made an entry-level pen. And it's certainly not hurting Pilot to have the Metropolitan out there. Do you, how many people have told us that, you know, the Metropolitan was their first pen, and... Number one, they've been amazed by it, and number two, they're gonna they're gonna buy a second fountain pen of some other kind. I mean, that happens to us all the time. Yep, and it's so, you know when people say to me as well, like, "What shall I get?" I mean, I I can't make a decision because I'm biased, but like I have my own uh, feeling about what people should buy, but which mm-hmm. I think is the Lamy Safari. I think it should be everybody's starter pen. But mm-hmm. so many people tell me that the Pilot is what they love. I always mm-hmm. suggest them both. Sure. So then my thinking on that is people will go and buy the one that they think looks the nicest, which for most people I expect ends up being the Lamy because it can, you can get it in more variation and, and the variation of the Pilot Metropolitan is a little bit tacky, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the animal print stuff. Have you seen the new ones? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll talk about them next week. I, that's one, one link that uh, missed the show notes this week. They've come out with some bright colors now. Oh, sweet. 
uh yellows pinks purples uh things like that I, they, they look really nice yeah they I needed think. that you know they're not they're not for me but they look really nice they definitely needed that mm-hmm. so yeah you know the where twisby and this has come up in the chat room if twisby can get their qa problems on lock and just you know run a real tight ship what i see happening is you know you're gonna have the eco um, will be their entry level pin. I don't know what's going to happen to the classic. That might be the one that falls by the wayside. I don't know. I don't know what. No, the classic doesn't get near as much run as even the eco is getting in its short time frame. Is that and the one that doesn't as- post? <sighs> um, I don't know. It's the one with the solid barrel colors: blue, black, burgundy. Yeah, um, I think that doesn't post. Okay, it may not. Um, I I gave mine to someone, so I don't have it one laying around. And what I think is the 580 lineup will end up being aluminum sections and pistons only, right? I can see them eliminating the 580 plastic parts pin and and leaving that to the eco line. And then the 580 line being an AL only line, right? Because they still have that price point pretty well. It's like 64. Five-ish, I think, with the aluminum section and and piston. So that's kind of what I. If I see anything happening, I think the Eco could eliminate the plastic parts 580, just because they've done a really nice job in the Eco, and then let the 580 be the upgrade with the aluminum parts. I, so I think that makes sense. If they don't do that, they need to get their head check. <laughs> well, it eliminates a lot of issues by uh it's an addition by subtraction kind of thing yep um even though they've added a whole new product line in the eco um eliminating the plastic uh 580 would eliminate a lot of the qa right there so it just it um, eliminates confusion sure as well as a, as a buyer so yeah the buyer asks okay should i get the eco for 30 or the 580 for 60 and to have that discussion um if they continue with the plastic parts 580, it's not a huge discussion, right? It's the ego's pretty much going to win every time just from price. You're not really benefiting. I mean, you're going to get a larger nib and what else? Not much, you know, maybe some colors you can't get if they, you know, keep doing colors. But anyway, I, I thought that was a, a good question and um, something interesting to talk about. And it's something to be interesting from to watch from Twisby because, I mean, they'll just, they'll pull products left and right. You know, they're pretty aggressive in what they decide to make and what they decide to discontinue. So um, if the Eco continues to be a success, I think we will see some changes in Twisby's lineup, but it's certainly not a cannibalization thing. You know, it's certainly, I think it would only be a good thing um, introducing this pen. So that's my spiel on that. All right. I wanted to hit a couple other small questions. Mike, and then we'll wrap. And a lot of them are questions I get over and over again, so they're they're worth repeating. Um, one of them is with converters on uh, fountain pens and filling converter converters. Uh, Samantha asks, "Do you fill a lami? Do you fill a lami with converter with the nib on the pen, or just put the converter straight in the bottle?" So, if you have a converter pen, Mike, do you have the converter attached to the pen? Dip the nib and suck up the ink through the nib or do you just dip the converter in and in the ink bottle and suck up the ink oh, i feel like this is a trick question uh i i keep the converter attached to the p- 
pen and I suck for the nib. So it's not a trick question at all. You can do it either way. I just feel like uh, no, I feel like though that, that you, where you may believe that, right? We're gonna get people say, "Oh, you're ruining the nib section." You no, know? no. It it just you know it's whatever you. I feel so. I wanted to ink up my vanishing point. I got the new stub nib on the vanishing point. I said I'd talk about this, and I haven't inked it up since the pen show. So I left the pen sitting on my desk went into the closet where I keep all my ink and accessories and I grabbed a pilot converter, grabbed a bottle of ink, stuck the converter in the bottle of ink, pulled up the ink, walked it back in the other room and jammed it in the nib unit. It doesn't matter. You know, it it just, there's no difference there. So whatever you feel comfortable with Samantha, honestly, I think most fountain pen people probably do it. Like Mike just said, you know, they have the converter attached to the nib. I think you get a better fill probably that way. Um, I tend to get some air gaps if I'm just filling it, um, the converter into the bottle. So there's no wrong answer to that question, Samantha. Um, but let me get back to the vanishing point nib. I had to do that. Um, so it's the stub nib and pilot just introduced it, um, for the vanishing point this year. They have it in the steel and the black finish. Um, I don't love it yet. So I just inked it up right before the show. It's really, the line variation's good. The smoothness is good. One of the issues, Samantha, um, going back to your question, you're going to get less ink flow right out the gate when you just fill the converter only. You're not going to get the feed saturated. Um, So this may be one of my issues. It's writing a little dry for me. So I just have to uh, get this pen going a little bit more, which I'm okay to do with um, for convenience sake. I'll go ahead and pop the converter in, um, in the ink, but I don't know something about this nib. I I need to inspect it more closely or at least just use it and, and wear the, wear the newness off of it. Sometimes, you know, a nib takes a, takes a, you know, day or two of writing to just kind of Okay, this is what it's going to feel like to see. Um, It doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it as far as misalignment or anything going on with the tines, um, at least that I can see. So I think I just need to use it a little bit more, get that, uh, get the nib uh, more, more ink flowing to the nib and we'll see how it is. So I'll I'll do a follow up on that nib unit. It's good. It's not. Wow. So we'll see. We'll see on that. All right, so there was another question about nibs that we had here, and this is uh, Vicky, Vicky D303. She's been a listener, I think, since day one. Um, she says, is the stub nib the same thing as an italic nib? And it's not. It's generally big picture idea, the same in where you get a wide downstroke and a thin cross stroke, but the stub has a more rounded edge on the nib itself it's more forgiving and so your lines are a little bit softer even though they will they will have that line variation from the north south and east and west they'll have a softer edge where the italic nibs are made to have a crisp edge on they'll stay still have the same wide uh, up and down line and thin uh, horizontal line but the edges on those lines will be sharper and they're actually a little bit harder to write with. You really have to nail the sweet spot on the nib because you'll catch an edge with the italic nibs. 
if you're goofing around um, because they do have that sharp edge. And the link um, we always link to, Mike, is the one at Franklin Kristoff, uh, where Mike Masayama has done the sketches of the nibs. We've shared this many a time. Um, but I do get a lot of questions about this, so I thought it was good sharing again. Um, and he does a sketch showing what the different grinds look like, and you can kind of extrapolate that into an idea of how they'll feel on the page. You get the same type of line variation, but you're going to have a little more... Um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It, you're going to have a little more more flexibility with the stub in that it's not going to be as sharp and as hard to write with as the italic. I prefer the italics because I it works with my style of handwriting, and I don't want to say that you know they're like a razor cutting through the page. But you can feel that I can feel the difference between an italic nib and a stub nib. So it's just not as forgiving. I think that's the word I was looking for earlier. All right. Did you know, Mike, did you know that fountain pen ink could mold? I did not know that. You did not know that. I did know that. I've never had one mold on me, but we did get a picture um, the other day. And uh, so, yeah, fountain pen inks can mold. It's not a common thing in most modern inks, but you do want to keep your inks in a, you know, you know it doesn't have to be a cool, dark place, but Essentially, you want to keep them out of the sunlight and out of crazy temperature changes. You know, that's that's the kicker here with, with inks to prevent any kind of weirdness happening happening in it. So um, they will mold from time to time. But it all the all the bottle of inks I have, all the ink samples I have, I don't have any with mold in them. And um, I'm, you know, I don't know. I probably have 40 or 50 bottles. I don't think I've ever seen mold in any of my any of my pens or any of my inks, I should say. So last thing, and this is another nib question, which we should, we've done a show on nibs before. We should probably uh, revisit that. Yeah. Maybe do it again, or at least, you know, have a kind of a, a 101 recap on nibs. So Damien Lalibert says, for someone who's never actually used a good pen and there's no stores that carry them, how do I tell what a nib should feel like? That's a super good question. How do you, if you've never used a fountain pen, how do you explain to someone what a nib should feel like? And then he says, also, can you explain terms like wet and dry, buttery, glassy, etc.? So as far as what the nib should feel like, it should feel very smooth, almost rounded. Um, there should be no resistance. There should be no grabbing of the paper. Um, you know, as long as it's inked up properly, you know, if you're trying to test your pen, um, you want that feeling like there's almost a barrier between the ink and the nib and the paper. So you should feel like that ink is making that barrier in between those things. If you're, if there's something wrong with the nib, you'll feel it digging into the paper. Um, and it shouldn't feel like that. Um, you know, now when you get into like extreme nibs, some of the ones that I have, they're designed to feel the paper more, you know, if you're getting some extra, extra, extra fine, or even the cursive italics, you can feel the paper on those, but a standard fine medium nib, it should feel almost like it's rolling across the paper. There should be no resistance at all. And, you know, the line should be clean. Ink shouldn't be kind of, uh, you know, your line should be kind of sharp and clean on the edges. There shouldn't be a lot of ragged edges in the ink line. So if the nib is performing well, 
that's what it's going to feel like and that's what the line's going to look on the page you should have be able to use a very light hand uh, not a lot of pressure to get the ink out um and you know it it's it's actually a hard thing to describe um so that's that's why like mike and i talk about you know when we're recommending fountain pens for beginners that's why we always talk about you know some of the more inexpensive pens like the pilot metropolitan and the lamy safari and now the twisby eco where you can try a couple different things see what you like see what works for you and just because your friend uses a medium nib fountain pen you might not find that that works for you so it is a little bit of a trial and error thing but just be conscious you know when you are trying it you shouldn't feel anything grab it on the page that's probably the biggest key you know, it shouldn't feel scratchy at all, ever, um, especially on the, the normal nibs that you get. So I think that's about it for the Ask TPA mic. And I, I want to put a shout out to all the listeners for these Ask TPA questions. I appreciate it and definitely keep them coming. Just use the hashtag Ask TPA on Twitter and we will get these questions lined up for uh, next episode and onward, Mike. Sounds like a great idea to me, my friend. If you want to find the show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 169. If you want to find Brad online, he is at dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M on Twitter. And I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Brad writes over at penaddict.com. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, Squarespace and Fracture, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.